Good evening. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Everything Entrepreneurship with Walter and Yarrow. Hello, this is Yara Stark, and with me is my co-host. Hello, this is Walter Haas. And you are listening to the Everything Entrepreneurship Show with us, Walter and Yarrow. Walter, wow, busy week? Ah, uh, yeah, busy week, although I got the cold, so I couldn't do much at the end of the week. Well, I chose not to. I sat down. <laughs> Watch the TV. <laughs> but no one's meant to know that. Yes, right. yes, busy week. Well, you know, we, we do start the Walter and Yarrow Show by talking about what we've done with our own projects in the previous week, and this is an entrepreneurship show, it's an entrepreneurship podcast, and we have quite a few different questions to talk about uh, this week. And I'd love to start, I think, with um, the first question, but before I do that, uh, I'm assuming, Walter, that you have nothing else to share with us because you had a cold <laughs> so, <laughs> about your previous week. So um, I'll give it a proper shot. Now, if... Um for those who listened to the previous podcast, uh, yeah, I did lose $1,000 in ad sales because my ad buying process wasn't automated. So last week was all about automating that. I got a fair chunk of that done, um, but then hit a few snags. So Yara, as you may be familiar with cranky ads, uh, code always takes a bit longer than you expect. And uh, I will never do code again, Walter, that's code. why. <laughs> if you put off for life, <laughs> no more code. From now on, I'm a writer. And I'm staying away from programming. So very good. So there's a big uh, no code sign posted on your I'm wall. You're gonna have a T-shirt, yeah. <laughs> I hate code. No code. No, no. Yeah. It's gonna be something codey, like like C sharp greater than zero. I don't know. <laughs> something. See, that's Some why I don't do them, this. <laughs> no. So um, yeah, I basically ran into a few bugs, uh, and they they'll take a bit of time to fix. Uh, and then I got the cold, and then I felt really bad. So I sat down and watched TV to get better. Oh, At least good. that was my I'm excuse. Nice and honest. I like that. I do that too. I get sick, I watch TV and surf the web instead of do things. Well, um, contrary to you, I had a busy, busy week because I finally, as I've been talking about my how to buy and sell blogs and websites guide for the last two or three episodes that I've been working on it, the launch week is now done. Uh, it wrapped up on Saturday, so I was busy throughout the week. And you know, those people on my newsletter and who read my blog will have received a couple of uh, blog posts and a couple of newsletters, all to do with some stories regarding uh, options for buying sites as a traffic strategy, and also a little story about how I sold my proofreading business, Better Edit, for a hundred thousand uh, dollars a number of years ago. Uh, all as a way to, I guess, preamble and give people introduction to what's inside the guide and if they're interested in, in more information to buy it. So I'd love to thank the 120 people who did uh, jump on board during last week. I'm really grateful. I, I get so much satisfaction from selling my own writing. Like I said, I'm a writer. So for me, I always get the most enjoyment, even if it's just a $30 product like this. I'm not going to get rich on it, but Knowing people pay money for my words is very gratifying, and I, I really like to thank everyone who did jump on board during this early stage to, uh, you know, to try out my product. So thank you very much. So that was my week, and uh, thankfully now it's a bit more relaxed. So it's it's December, right? Or it's summer down under in Australia here, so uh, it's pretty much relaxing time soon anyway. A few more things to do for a couple of weeks, and then everyone will start doing uh, nothing but going to the beach and having barbecues. That's that's your life in summer, right, Walter? I know you've got a great tan, so... Oh, I have a very good programmer tan. <laughs> yes, so questions then. Shall we jump into the first one? I've got two, uh, one from a listener and one from me. 
So I'll start with the listener one first, and it's from Colin. Now, Colin's written a long question that's too much for me to read out on the show. But the crux of it is how to get a podcast hosting service business working. That's really uh, what he's asking. I think you'd agree with that. Uh, right, Walter? Yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. So Colin uh, has been running a hosting service for podcasters. So essentially, this you know a place to put your file, your MP3 file to download. And he's asking, uh, you know, is there a way to make it work better than what it's been working now? Possibly having a more managed service, which has more custom offers to it, more support. Uh, but he's just wondering, you know, what's our thoughts? Is this a service that can even work? Especially because hosting as a rule is quite a commoditized service so you know it's hard to compete besides on price for most companies that's what most people do and i hate competing on price so what do you think walter Ooh, well this is a this is a bit of a tricky one because i haven't had too much personal experience but one book that i read recently that comes to mind is the innovator solution and uh the gist of one of the chapters in the innovator solution is about uh products that the life cycle of products and industries in general where things at the end of their life cycle become commoditized because you get uh, the underlying components that they're made of. So hosting, well, you know, you can get cheap cloud hosting these days. That's one component of it. Uh, web design, well, you can use WordPress with some templates. That's, that's another uh, module that you can stick together. And when things like that happen, um, in the book he says you should look at other parts of the value chain. So you should go either down the chain and see maybe you can do some hosting, maybe you can do some uh, WordPress templates, you know, look at that area or move up market and um, provide a full service um, podcasting business. So I think that's, um, that's what Colin's leaning towards right now with uh, doing some podcast training and doing some doing the hosting as well as a full service type offering there. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a bit of a tricky one. I, I know from experience, there's often a big player who is having success and you kind of wonder what they did differently to what you've done. And I, I call them, no doubt you've heard of Libsyn, Liberated Syndication, which certainly in my space, the, the people who write about blogging and internet marketing and, and also teach podcasting, it's the only hosting service besides maybe Amazon S3 I hear mentioned for specifically podcasters. And I don't know why, and I don't know how Libsyn has managed to get this market leadership position. I suspect a lot of it's because they managed to get on board a few key players who have large audiences. You know, once you've got a, a Pat Flynn or um, uh, the podcast answer guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, maybe you can help me, Walter. Um, do a Google search while I'm talking, Walter. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, sorry. Go, go. Okay, <laughs> keep talking. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of um, talk. Now, it's weird because I never looked for a podcast host myself. I just thought I'd use my own host. That was my initial thinking when I started my podcast back in, in 2005. So I just stuck it up on my own server, which was a shared server. I did a terrible job, but I had a small blog. As I grew, I needed better hosting for everything, in particular with video. So I eventually went with like a, it was a caching sort of distributed network hosting service uh, called Cachefly, which hosted my audio files and my video files for my products as well as my podcast. 
And then Amazon came along and just had a much cheaper cloud version of pretty much the same thing. So I switched to Amazon and, and had my podcast there. And only very recently have I switched to uh, Liberated Syndication. And here's a good answer to get to your question a little bit, Colin. Why did I switch to them? A, I've had recommendations from people like Pat, um, Gideon Shawick was talking about to me. I, I just see them as the only hosting specifically dedicated to podcasts mentioned in conversations. So maybe there's a key there, something about being part of the conversation. So I went with them and, and primarily I wanted better statistics. That was perhaps like the managed aspect you're talking about. I wanted stats, wasn't getting it from Amazon in the kind of level that I get with Libsyn, you know, where's the podcast being downloaded from, what country, you know, what amounts. So I get that now and that's that's nice. It helps to, you know, validate what we're doing here with the Everything Entrepreneurship show. So I think the answer is, A, quickly just do a bit of research. What has Liberated Syndication done as well as they have? And I'm sure there's a long story. They've been around for years. I think the, the company I actually kind of trigger a, a, a similar story with is actually Aweber. Uh, they have somewhat of a commoditized service, a bit more complicated than hosting, I think, being an email provider and you know a, a broadcast service. So there's a lot of work there. And it's a bit more complicated to sell to customers. But at the end of the day, you're talking about sending emails. Now, Aweber, again, I signed up for them because my peers way, way back in sort of 2005, 2006 were recommending them. And yes, there were affiliate links and there was obviously a good reason for them to do so in terms of a commission. But if you keep hearing like back then, it was Jeff Walker and Mike Fulsame and um, uh, Rich Sheffer and Evan Pagan, all these guys were using and recommending Aweber as a, a newsletter service. I naturally went with them. I recommended them. And then suddenly, you know, as soon as the bloggers got on board, uh, Darren Rouse was using it. John Chow was using it. Shoe Money was using it. Brian Clark was using it. So we all had this sort of go use Aweber. And you just get preeminence. That's ultimately what happens. And once you've got that status, it's hard to lose it because everyone mentions you in the conversation when you're talking about newsletters or everyone mentions you in the conversation when you're talking about podcast hosting. To get there is trickier. Now, I, I don't think at this stage in the, in the life cycle of podcast hosting, you have a chance to try and become the new Liberate Syndication doing the same thing. That's just not going to happen. It's, it's too mature a marketplace like Walter just said. So to add to what Walter said, I think the best outcome for you would be, if you want to keep going down this path, find a niche, pick a certain type of podcaster, and they, that way you can dominate the conversation within that space. You know, maybe just podcasters who talk about technology news or just podcasters living in a certain country or, you know, pick these demographics or what other ways to segment and, and figure out what they want and tailor the managed service to them. And that way you'll always be part of the conversation when other people in that space go looking for hosting. Obviously, you have to pick a large enough market for it to be worthwhile. So when you do this research, pick a good demographic that's enough people to make you a profitable company, but still segmented enough that you're different and you appear superior, you become the preeminent option in that space. So that would be my advice with that one. Another question just to get you thinking is, are there any people right now that aren't podcasting that would like to podcast? So that's not necessarily a solution, but uh, if you can look for a niche of people that aren't podcasting, but that would be good or would like to podcast, then um, yeah, that might be a way to go as well. Mm. All right. Thank you, Colin, for your question. That's a good one, a tricky one. Uh, do let us know what you end up getting up to with your business, though, whether you, you, know, you find an angle or shut it down or keep it going. 
sometimes it's a case of just constantly iterating. I think uh, we tried a lot of that ourselves, didn't we, Walter, with oh. Cranky Ads? So. Yeah, and I really should say that uh, that's what it feels like. You just try so many things and sometimes the least likely thing will end up working and that's what you react to. But uh, constant feedback is the other thing. You need constant feedback from the people that are currently using your service. Mm. And uh, I've mentioned this in previous podcasts as well, but if you get your existing customers on the phone and play the why train on them, so ask them why six times, why are they using this, uh, why did they like this feature, why did they start using it, you know, six times you'll eventually get to the root cause of why they use your service over someone else's. And then once you have those core features that make it worthwhile, your service worthwhile over someone else's, then um, that's what you focus on. Fantastic. So great segue from this question. I actually have a question of my own that I thought, Walter, you have some insight into it. It's for me, this is a, a percolating process. It's something I've been wanting to do for many, many years. And I've just never got into it because it's service-based. So Colin talks about these commoditized services. Now, I don't want to get into a commoditized industry either. What I'm talking about here. So as a blogger, you know, I've been blogging for many years and I got very familiar with the industry. It made sense for me to think, well, you know, as, as an option to make money, I could potentially have a blogging service of some kind, which would kind of be like a writing service. Now, I've thought about that idea for many years. I've always said no to it because it would mean having clients, right? And you know, mm -hmm. you know what that's like, Walter. Yep, yep, I remember that. <laughs> well, clients suck. So, <laughs> but there's some amazing business potential in terms of actually growing, you know, a multi-million dollar business, lots of employees, going down that path. Not a path I've wanted to, to go down, but I do think about it now and then. And it came to me again just recently because I had a, a listen yesterday to or watch, I should say, um, Marie Forleo interview with Gary Vaynerchuk, which I've posted on my Facebook channel if you guys want to check it out, or just go to marieforleo.com and you'll find it as uh, the latest episode as we're talking now anyway. So Marie is kind of like known as a, a business teacher specifically targeted at women. She has B-School and just has a, a video uh, channel that she runs throughout the year that's gotten better and better, and that's how she gets exposure. She's been on Oprah now and, and become quite large in terms of her industry anyway. And Gary is, if you haven't heard of him, is a, basically, I would say, at the top of the game when it comes to social media. Uh, he got his training through Wine Library TV and, and doing a, an online video channel about wine, and, and which helped to promote his family's wine company, which grew from, I think, 4 million to 60 million, something like that, don't quote me. But he's become now a very preeminent speaker and trainer uh, at social media which and this is what triggered the idea of running some sort of services company he has a company with his brother called Vayner Media and listening to the interview with Marie he's mentioned they've gone from 20 to 200 employees or something like that they're at 200 now which shows phenomenal growth and it's obviously you know a growth industry social media is huge but it's one of those things like social media is very similar to blogging it's kind of it's a bit fuzzy not everyone understands how it can lead to actual return on investment results for a company but it did make me think you know would it be cool one day to have a proper blog services company in the sort of vein of Vayner Media providing 
blogging services of some kind. And that's the area where I've been kind of asking for opinions from people, mainly because my goal here is, to, is not to be commoditized, is to be like, I'm sure what Vayner is like. Those guys are dealing with Coca-Cola, with Nike, with you know big companies that want social media services. And we're not talking about selling to the small individuals or trying to become another Fiverr where we're outsourcing writing for five bucks a job or another Elance where we're doing overseas contracting. We're talking about high quality services where you can charge a premium, be premium positioned. So Walter, what do you think about all that? Well, it's definitely a, a different sort of business than you've been running at the moment. I'm very familiar with that type of industry and uh, building those sort of uh, services based companies. But if you want to kick that off, the first thing that I would suggest that you think about is uh, doing 60 to 80 hour weeks, at least for the first year, because it will take a lot of uh, effort to get going. And this is everything from hiring the right people, um, looking, talking to the right clients, even before you get started. You know, you need to see whether there's a niche that you can start off in. Um, obviously, you're not going to do what uh, Gary Vaynerchuk does, but is what you're doing unique enough for people to take notice? Can you be the best in the world at what exactly you're doing? Mm. Um, and yeah, all of that will take quite substantial effort in the first three months at least. So a uh, question to you again, Yaro, are you happy to do this sort of crazy amount of work in the first year, given that uh, your whole shtick has been uh, living a lifestyle, <laughs> running a lifestyle business over the last 10 years? Uh, you know me well, Walter, you know me well, <laughs> probably too well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. And that's, you're right, that's the first question, the most important question to ask. It's, it's funny because you, in your head, you're like, you like so many parts of that puzzle that you're like, oh, I'd, I'd love to have a team and be able to help get other people who like to write work as bloggers, you know, get them working for large companies and actually writing about these companies and getting them results, but also employing people who like to write. That would be my, you know, big, my big dream is just to hang out with a lot of people who like to write and write blogs. But yes, there's, there's getting clients, there's hiring good people, there's firing, there's you know invoicing, chasing up bills, all that sort of stuff. And of course, I thought, well, there's lean to start with. Get one client, see what they need, you know, see whether you can run that service at a profit. Would they pay ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars for a blogging service a year? You know, these are questions that are unanswered, but. You're probably right about that. Uh, the first aspect, the most important aspect: Do I want to run a startup company and put in the hours? Because for me, it, you're, it's two options: sit in the cafes and be a writer, or mm -hmm. be a pure entrepreneur and, and basically have other people eventually provide most of what the company delivers in value. And, and like you heard me say at the start of this uh, podcast, I do get a lot of intrinsic value from knowing my words are written. So. It's hard though, because entrepreneurship is always very appealing at that level. Like, I know you want a hundred million dollar company, right, Walter? At some point? Oh, yeah, yeah. yes, at some point, definitely. I mean, who doesn't? I'm well, sure there are some. Some people, people don't, that, but... you know. <laughs> but um, even just to get to ten million dollars, sort of company, and I guess I could possibly do that. I definitely could do that with my writing business. Um, but it seems like there will be a cap at some point uh, where. To, to reach that super, super big company level, you, you definitely have to get multiple employees. I'd actually be really curious to know 
what is the largest company out there with just an individual kind of running it you know like one person with a few people around them like a it, it's probably like a not a proper company but you probably look at athletes or celebrities even book authors really really well-known ones like probably but see they they it's kind of hard because they just sell one or two products but then they got this huge spin-off around them you know harry potter turns from books to movies and all the other paraphernalia so i wonder in terms of just internet marketing like an information publisher for example agora as a company you know they sell 150 250 million dollars that's the their company size selling a range of information products but um they've just sort of systematized what I do and what all of us do in this space and, and got really good at it. So really good at conversion, really good at product creation, just hired talented people to do each different niche. That's sort of a similar thing that I'm talking about, but I'm really, I, like, I guess at some point you, you can't help it. If you're going to move from independent author to large company, everything gets big. You can't, you can't avoid it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's true. And that's that's where you have to make your decision. Do you really want to do that? Do you really want to put in the time and the effort it takes? And, you know, a good metaphor to use is uh, all those people that are successful, they're the planes flying up ahead, but most people don't want to uh, throttle their own jet to the point where it takes off because there's a lot of effort required in taking off in the first place before you ever get up there. Nice analogy, Walter. Have you ever thought about getting into writing? You know, maybe get a blog up and up on the internet. I do like writing, but my analytical brain always makes me reread everything three times, so <laughs> it usually takes too long. Well, you did have a request this week for a blog from Walter Haas. So what do you think, everyone? Should Walter get a blog going, writing about <laughs> what he's doing? Maybe you know Walter's entrepreneur's journey out there, programmersjourney.com, <laughs> developersjourney.com. <laughs> Quickly go to buy that.com. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you can get the hyphen version. They're easy to get those ones. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, that's my question. That's Colin's question. By the way, just to interject, I think your mic is uh, booming a little bit. Booming. Yeah, it's like tapping. Oh, that's probably just because I've been putting my hands on the table. I'll stop doing that. Um, uh, yes, so thank you for the questions, uh, or question, Colin. And that was purely speculative on my point. Uh, I've just been thinking about that. So I'd like to get opinions from other people. Uh, I did have a couple of other things for us to discuss, which came through to me this week, uh, mostly through, from the podcast. These people who have listened to this podcast and sent email questions or kind of alluded to these things. So I thought I'd bring them up as well. We're having a bit of a, a Q&A podcast today. So uh, Walter, the, the question was, uh, this came from Jared, who runs a, a podcast of his own uh, at starvethedoubts.com. And he interviewed me recently. And he was following my writing regarding uh, buying and selling blogs. And in particular, picked me up on the aspect of buying a blog as a way to get traffic. So you, you write about something and then you go find a blog about a similar subject, you buy it and then you've instantly got the entire audience there which can be funneled into whatever you do and it's instantaneous, you know, you spend money, get traffic. Uh, he was asking, can this be done for podcasting? So can you buy a podcast and use that to grow your audience? For example, if we wanted the Everything Entrepreneurship Show with Walter and Yarrow to reach a new audience, is it worth buying another podcast? I'd never even thought of that before, to be absolutely honest. Um, what do you think, Walter? 
Well, again, I haven't done anything like that, so uh, this is just from my speculation as well. But um, I think anything's possible, really. You just need to look at the details and like what what do you want out of uh out of buying a podcast you know are you still do you have to um record the other podca- podcast as well maybe i'm not understanding the question right but uh are you saying that uh we should buy someone we should buy another podcast and then do that podcast as well well uh, the uh, yeah all those things are open to um speculation but i think the general idea is to actually buy a podcast they would have to be not interested in running it anymore so they probably would be it'd be like a semi-dormant podcast maybe it was going for a while and this person's given up on it because you're not going to find podcasts for sale which is this is why for me it was uh, something i hadn't thought of before because you find blogs for sale you find websites for sale but i've never seen a podcast for sale I think most people who stop podcasting don't think about it as something they eventually would sell. But, you know, you've got an audience. It's, it's a sellable asset. And I, I thought about it some more. Uh, can you imagine, all right, we wanted to get more audience interested in entrepreneurship. You just go and do even a search on iTunes or, you know, Google search. Look for podcasts that haven't been updated for two or three months, but they were around for a couple of years talking about small business or entrepreneurship or marketing or you know maybe even technology and that sort of area startups and you notice that they haven't done an update in two or three months or something like that you, you send them an email and say hey we're looking for podcasts to acquire uh, we've raised some funds and what we would do if we found one we'd buy it and then in this case, I would just take the existing everything entrepreneurship that we do and put it onto their podcast feed. Obviously, you'd do an introductory podcast and say, hey, we're the new hosts of the show. We're changing the name. Maybe you'll take one or two episodes to slowly bring people on board. But basically, you're, you've got a feed there that's got people already subscribed. They've got devices that automatically download episodes just when it gets updated. So all you have to do is take over that feed up, you know, put a podcast, put an MP3 on it, and it'll go to all those devices and they'll be able to listen to it. So you can imagine, Walter, we found a podcast that hasn't been updated, but they've got 20,000 subscribers. We could just go, hey, this is Walter and Yarrow, where we've taken over Jared's Start the Doubts website. Hi, Jared, taking over your podcast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he he's not interested in doing it anymore. We're jumping in, and we we also love talking about motivation and productivity and business. So uh, we'd like to talk a little bit about us first to give you an introduction, and this is what you can expect from us. And then from then on, just keep putting out the regular everything entrepreneurship to them. We just added twenty thousand potential new listeners. They might not all stay, but there's a good chance a fairly large chunk of them will. Provided we don't just sit there and swear on our show or something like that. But uh, yeah, I th- actually, the more I thought about it, I was like, this is potentially one of the best types of acquisitions I could think of because it, you really get to lock in your audience, which is, is hard to guarantee if you're relying on something like Google traffic. But iTunes subscriber traffic, that's not going to suddenly just disappear because iTunes doesn't think you deserve that audience anymore. If they're subscribers, they're subscribers. So um, they have the choice to opt out if they want to, but that's entirely dependent on you know their relationship with you. So I think it's a great idea. Whether it'd be possible to find people willing to sell, that's the tricky part. What I was trying to get at is um, the amount of money you're spending on acquiring the podcast. 
are you going to get that back? Or would it be better to spend that on, say, advertising? Maybe Google Ads will, give, will get you more subscribers. Say you're very, very good at uh, pay-per-click, then that might be a better way to go. But uh, yeah, in terms of something creative that at least I haven't, hadn't thought of either, um, yeah, buying a dormant podcast is probably a good idea because, you know, who sells a podcast? Yeah. Maybe they're undervalued. You know, maybe Wild Wild West days, you could really get away with a deal, I think. Yeah, exactly. Very um, interesting. I know, but, and, and maybe we should start looking for one, Walter. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> it did make me think this is uh, potentially, I don't think there's, in terms of growing a podcast, I, like you said, there's all these advertising opportunities out there. It's always a cost-benefit analysis. You never really know either with, the, with these techniques which ones work best until you try. But I have to say that you know, you're going for an audience that already listens to podcasts. They're subscribing to one. So by taking over someone else's, that alone is half the battle. That's already targeted in that regard. So um, I think it's a great idea. Like I said, the challenge would be finding people who are willing to sell uh, and then yeah, figuring out how to value it too. Like most podcasters don't make money, which makes me even more excited because chances are you could take over and get it at a bargain price. And okay, like you said, we don't have a direct mechanism to monetize our show right now. We're not putting ads on it. But uh, I know, if, like I said, if we added 20,000 new subscribers, if I mention I've got an e-guide for sale, if Walter mentions he's got you know, his project with, with um, Kickspy, you're going to get some of those people checking out your, your site. And that's a spin-off effect. You know, you make money that way. Lots of options to do that sort of thing. So I, no problem. You get audience, you can definitely monetize it if, if they become engaged with what you're doing. So love the idea. And thanks, Jared, for, for floating it. I think I'd, I'd love to hear if anyone listening in who's bought one before, or maybe they will now because we've talked about it, write in and let us know. We'd definitely love to hear. Maybe even get you on the show and uh, talk about it. really interesting stuff. Okay. Anything Are we done, Walter? I think we're, we're just on time. I know. We could be like on 30 minutes this episode as long as I stop talking now. Wow. Quick. Go, go, go. Yeah. There was one other thing I did want to kind of mention, and I think it's worth just quickly saying, since we sometimes we go 35 minutes, to be absolutely right. honest. So we, got, so we got five minutes here. And because it needs to be, it needs to close off this idea. So Jared's floated this concept of buying a podcast, which led to, I believe, something that it's been asked before, but it's worth asking it again, especially now, because there's so many more types of websites. So I remember when I first started writing and teaching the sort of area of how to buy and sell websites, someone asked me, can you buy a blogger site, you know, blogspot.com, that mm. service? And I was thinking... Well, I don't know about the, the terms of service with Google, who owns the blogger service, whether they you know, allow you to buy and sell those accounts, because ultimately I think Google can decide which ones get shut down whenever they want to. So there's always that risk. Uh, but I thought, why not? There's, there's an audience there. There's something of value. So sure. Then I thought, okay, Jared's asked about a podcast. What about buying a Tumblr blog? What about buying someone's Pinterest account? What about buying... You know, someone's entry in a forum, even like your account in a forum. Well, let me put this to you, Walter. I have a really highly popular forum account at kickstarter.com. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've made 
2,000 posts in there, and you can go in and edit them all to have a link to, you probably get banned, but have a link <laughs> to uh, kick, kick Spy. You know, like these are thinking about things you can sell that have value on the internet. So social media accounts, my Facebook page, my Twitter account, um, you know, all these things have value. They have attention, they have engagement, they have audience. Uh, they're potentially useful for other people. So there's a huge aftermarket that's just not ever really dealt with which makes me wonder why not that sounds like the uh the start of a business idea well possibly flip off would be the logical place those guys already deal with some of those things i just wonder do people not buy and sell these things because they just don't know about it. They don't think to do it. Like I, I you know, I wouldn't think to sell any of my, my Twitter or my, all those sorts of things now, but I'm sure they're like a Pinterest account, for example, if a really popular, you know, I might be a food blogger and someone's got a really great Pinterest, Pinterest account full of photographs of food that has tons of traffic and I can go in there and just start pinning and, and guiding some of that traffic to my blog. That's a potentially good traffic source. So Maybe these are all things that could be tried. Go up and knock on a few doors and see whether people want to sell. But that, that's the tricky part, I guess, is when you've got something that's not been done before, you have to first create awareness of the possibility, then try and figure out a value, and then see if it even becomes a, a mechanism for returning profit on, on the acquisition. So lots of questions there. I'm, o I'm only opening these up if anyone's listening in who's done something like bought and sold a Tumblr account or a Pinterest account or you know a Facebook account or something like that. Love to hear about it and uh, see how it went. So um, yes, that closes out my, my topic of how to buy and sell everything on the internet. <laughs> interesting thoughts, Sarah. Very interesting. Thanks, Walter. So what are you up to this week? This week, um, I've got some exciting uh, business events coming up. So uh, if they all pan out, maybe we'll talk about them next week. But um, otherwise, just fixing my bugs and for GeekSpy, automated ad buying, and yeah. And then I'm back to working on some tools that I can sell. Right. Very cryptic, Walter. Very cryptic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I talked to you about it on the pre-show, so. I know, but the audience might want to know something about it. But I oh, know, yeah. I don't, I don't know what you want to share. We want to share when it's a good story, I guess, right? So, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll share next week. Next week. We'll see what happens. And yeah. Walter might have a story to tell. Let's just say he's flying to a different city for a reason. So we'll, we'll see what happens. What am I doing? Uh, I have a to-do list. Now, it's funny because I've been so focused on the launch of my e-guide. Everything was just around that for the last few weeks. So this is the first week I've had where everything's opened up again to different things. Um, one thing I'm working on right now is uh, the guys at Flippa. I had a meeting. I, the, the great thing about living in Melbourne is SitePoint, who owns Flippa and uh, 99designs. That company is based in Melbourne, so I've been meeting with uh, a few of the guys who are managers and, and owners of, of SitePoint and Flippa, etc., and possibly doing something with Flippa for my guide. Don't know. We'll see what happens there. Uh, that's something I'm working on this week, just getting that prepared, and I've got a, a few little loose ends to tie up, really. Uh, I've, I've got a couple of podcasts beyond this, like I've got some normal podcasts in terms of my interviews. But I haven't had a chance to publish, and I would like to get them out before the end of the year. So a couple of uh, episodes, one with David Hooper and another one with uh, Chuck Frey. David is a, uh, a music social media marketer, and I read his book and did an interview with him after that. And that was really interesting to hear the, the comparisons between 
social media as a music marketer versus an entrepreneur. So it's a great, great podcast to share with you. So hopefully that'll be out maybe this week. We'll see what happens. So yeah, I'm doing odds and ends. We'll see what happens next episode, what I've actually done over the, this week. It tends to be a bit of a lull, I think, after a launch for me. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll be like Walter and watch some TV. More TV. <laughs> You'll just randomly get sick. More Shh, Doctor Who. Hey, no, not getting sick. I hate getting sick. Okay, Walter, All right. a pleasure. Thank you, as always. As always, thank you, Aaron. And, and all our wonderful listeners, thank you as well. We're starting to get more and more feedback, and we really do appreciate you, especially those of you like Colin and like Jared, who sent through questions, uh, preferably by leaving them as comments on the blog. So go to my blog, entrepreneurs-journey.com, find the most recent podcast. It should be on the front page, and just leave a comment with your question. And like Colin, we may spend a whole 10 minutes trying to answer your question and helping you out. And that's for free. Not bad. I think that's a good deal. Uh, plus, I want to mention, I'd love for you guys to go to iTunes and leave a, a, a review there. We I don't have a lot of reviews on the EJ podcast. And I know there's a lot of you listeners out there. It's And like Walter said, with getting that plane off the ground, it's a lot of work to go and leave a review on iTunes. But I, I really hope that we've helped you throughout the, the nine episodes or eight episodes we're up to now and you feel it's been worth putting a comment and letting us know how much you like our show and that will help us uh, rank better in, in iTunes and get more uh, subscribers. So please do that. Thank you very much. Walter? And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Walter. Thanks, everyone, for listening in and we'll catch you again on another episode of our Everything Entrepreneurship Show. Bye-bye. Everything Bye. Entrepreneurship with Walter and Yarrow. Thank you.